Hi, you are listening to The Zid and Fizz Show, a talk show for entrepreneurs, angel investors, and everyone else. Good morning, welcome, and enjoy the show. Here they are. Perfect. Thank you, Fast, for being quiet for five seconds. <laughs> that, I know that's hard. So that, that, <laughs> that's very hard. And uh, episode 26 of the Zid and Fish show. This is a big one. Today is a big one. Big. And very big one. Yeah. And Faz, you're back from Australia. I am back from Australia and very happy to be back home. But I had a great time. It's an incredible place. Any any one word takeaways? Uh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. And our guest today is in D.C. So now we have the East Coast, West Coast, D.C., Boston, San Francisco, life science gurus. Rich, welcome to the show. So excited to have you. So much to talk about. First of all, welcome, welcome. Zed and Foz, thank you very much for uh, having me on uh, your podcast. And you're right, this is a big one. It's it's a way to connect the West and the East and the Mid-Atlantic together and uh, find ways we can do more for our community. Excellent. Absolutely. And, and by the way, Ziad, uh, Rich is uh, Rich is a an absolute treasure. Um, I've I I have heard of Rich. I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, at the BioHealth uh, Innovation Conference in Maryland, um, and he is an absolute gem. He has so many incredible experiences in the innovation ecosystem. Um, there's just so much to talk about. We could spend the entire program just talking about his bio, but we won't I read, do that. I read your bio, Rich, and wow, very impressive. Well, and, don't and believe I, everything you read. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Also, a big sign of, of kindness, by the way, you post your phone number. You're right. And you know what? I made a mistake because you know what happened to me on LinkedIn just this past week is someone hacked in took my identity, they put in their email address, no. a new password, and a new phone number, no. and they said that they had a special project uh, that they wanted people to contact uh, me on. So I was getting emails, texts, and phone calls from around the world, oh, and no. basically I was totally hacked, and unfortunately I had 8,300 contacts, oh. and I had heard from Ooh. people I hadn't heard from for years, but do no, I uh, do your uh, dual protection on all of your sites these days yes. because yeah. it, it took yeah. me three days to get back up. LinkedIn does not have a human being to talk to unless they call you. So <laughs> yeah. it was unbelievable frustrating. It's like trying to get someone at Uber to talk to you. So, oh, my yeah. God. I'm anyway, so sorry. That, you're, you're also very important. I don't think anyone's going to hack Fizz's email or mine. <laughs> <laughs> they go straight for the gold mine. They go yeah, right exactly. straight. They won't find anything. <laughs> yeah. no, I doubt that. So can I start? I I have a question for the two of you that came up with a with a friend two days ago in biotech. Are we is the excitement, growth, investments, innovation is it going to keep going now? Because we're 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 not. It doesn't look like we're in a bubble, and there's a lot going on. I mean, Boston is is the mothership of all these, and I look around and I wonder, 
is it going to slow down or are we on a curve of of medical, biomedical, uh, device, drugs, innovation that's going to last for a while? I'm going to let Rich take that one because I'm not a fatalist. I believe yeah. that we still have a lot to do. But you, Rich, you go first. I think every all three of us have a cup that is uh, half full and none of us have ever seen a half empty cup. But mm-hmm. uh, based on the trends I'm seeing, as well as some statistics, as well as just buzz going on in the region, talking to some of our good partners at J.P. Morgan, Wilson Sonsini, um, and the National Venture Capital Association, who I just heard speak last week, I, I think we're good for 2020. Where we go beyond that, uh, I'm not sure. But I, I don't see the election year slowing things down. I am hearing, though, people saying if you want to get an IPO done, get it done as quickly as possible because it's unpredictable next year. But unbelievable, I, I looked at some of the statistics that uh, – uh, Bobby Franklin, the, the head of the National Venture Capital Association, did for our BioHealth Caucus with AURP two weeks ago. And without the BioHealth, Life Science, Biotech industry, the mm-hmm. IPO market uh, would have been dead uh, yeah. this year and last year. And if you look at, you know, almost 50 percent of the IPOs or I think, no, 39 percent of the IPOs and 50 percent of the funds uh, in the IPO market came out of our industry. So, um, you know, people need to line up. They need to get it done as quickly as possible. But uh, to basically answer your question, I think we're strong for 2020. Where we go beyond 2020 may have something to do with our new administration and uh, election. And, and their, their policy toward the NIH and all that. And, um, well, so when on the angel level, when you look at a deal that needs six years or three years, they're in pre-IND and they have four years to go or so you you start wondering or making sure they have enough money to last if something happens. So, But I don't want to be uh, no, but all that's, doom and gloom. No, but that's an important thing. I don't think you are, Ziad. Um, but, but it's an important thing to think about because one, one of the things that all of us have done very well is uh, connecting ecosystems together um, connecting venture investment bankers, M&A advisors, bringing uh, incubators, universities, technology. Tra- we're trying to really bring them all together because we're all united in this effort of bringing innovation to market. And there's so much that still needs to be done in healthcare um, and through biotech and medical devices. So I'm I'm really gung ho on on the uh, primary objective here, whether administrations change or not, which is we need to find ways of increasing access to care and finding uh, new ways of treating all the various diseases. And and I want to tie one more thing to it because I want Rich to comment on this as well, because Rich has done a lot of uh, sentinel things in the industry from venture capital to investment banking. Rich, of, of all the things that you've done, um, are you are you seeing a greater cohesion in the entrepreneurial ecosystem over over the past years or so? Well, I think I'm seeing more interest uh, mm-hmm. uh, and organizations and individuals like us on this podcast mm-hmm. are helping drive ecosystems around the United States and around the world to understand the potential to to have this connectivity and work more closely together. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think entrepreneurism, innovation, uh, they're buzzwords that have been around for a long time. But what I am seeing is some trends. Uh, 
and and some that you evidenced when you were here, Fuzz, uh, academic institutions are looking more to startups rather than just doing royalties and license deals. Uh, and, you know, we have some great role models in the country. Uh, we work very closely with our entrepreneur in residence team at NIH, and they're creating something called a venture team. Who would have ever thought that NIH right. would have something called a venture team? And you met some of those people, Foz. I, I and, did. And I, yeah. and I, I, I want to glance over something. Uh, I don't want to glance over something Ziad said about NIH. Uh, when we look at the future, and you look at the NIH budget today versus where it was, it's gone from 30 to 40 billion dollars. Mm -hmm. That's a 10 billion dollar increase. And guess what? You have to have three and a half percent of that money in in NIH go to small businesses. So that means that SBIR pool to fund uh, early stage companies with America's greatest seed fund continues to grow. So the indications are good. And in past administration, this administration, NIH has grown, which has been a good been good for all of us, as well as the SBIR and early stage and seed funding program. Yeah. Yeah. And it. What's amazing is some, I mean, maybe we're lucky in Boston, of course, in, in D.C. and San Francisco, same thing. But the deal flow, it keeps coming. Like the the the, uh, the entrepreneurial fire, biotech or IT, but we're talking about biotech now, it keeps coming and it's so great. Mm -hmm. Every month we see companies that trying to, resolves orphan diseases, medical devices. I mean, you name it. This month, we're seeing some amazing companies, some in autism, Alzheimer's. And and I always worry, will it slow down? Because I love, we have <laughs> one of the best deal flows in America. <laughs> and uh, one, of the, one of the three best deal flows <laughs> in America. There's three of us on the call here. Yeah. It's you. You wonder will it, will there ever be a time where an entrepreneur would say, you know, I prefer to stay stick with my large corporate job as opposed to to the dream of making it big. But again, no doom and gloom today. It's more the excitement of understanding how the deals work. And in larger deals, we need to collaborate among different ecosystem to fund them because we're all about angel to exit. And That's very true. at least we're trying. If that's feasible, um, one of the things I learned about uh, Rich's endeavors in in the East Coast is uh, is this new Bridge Gap Fund. Correct, Rich? Do you want, yeah, do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you for the intro. Um, and I'm not allowed to solicit investors, but I might as well try. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking to form something we're calling a Gap Fund, and it's the BioHealth Capital Region. For those listeners who don't know what that is, it's primarily Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. And uh, just so those who don't want to know how we stand versus other regions or clusters in the United States, uh, Genetic Engineering News does an annual top 10 cluster uh, report uh, based on uh, quantitative criteria. And we've been monitoring it uh, for the last five years. Of course, Boston, Zayed, you're number one. Uh, Foz, you're number two out there. And, <laughs> Although, I'm uh, sorry, I'm sorry, the connection was not... not yeah, yeah, it wasn't too could good. Could you yeah. repeat that? Yeah. <laughs> well, number Boston's one. number one, the Valley's <laughs> number two, right. but this, this old sleepy region about six years ago was number six, and for the last two years, we're number four. So we bypassed San Diego and Research Triangle, 
And number three, by the way, is New York. So what we're, <clears throat> we're evidencing is uh, this entrepreneurial spirit you, you referenced is, is growing in this region because originally it, it's been thought about as an academic and a government area, of course, with FDA, NIH, Johns Hopkins, uh, and some of the largest federal funding. Our biggest gap, to get back to your question about a fund, is this half million to $5 million uh, gap to get people ready for a Series A. And so uh, there is not much of that here. We have some large funds like New Enterprise Associates, the largest uh, in the country. But yet, uh, you know, if you look at some of the VCs, the average uh, investment we saw last year overall was about 14 to 15 million dollars, even though some of these rounds, as you know, are going 25, 65. Viella Bio, uh, the spin out from Metamune, did a 250 million dollar Series A. Yeah. Uh, oh. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, I love that. <laughs> 250 million. Call it Series Z or something. Yeah. yeah no, no, <laughs> but you know what else they did? They started 18 months ago. They did a Series A with 250. They did a Series B for 75 three months ago, and they did an IPO for 157 a month ago. So they've raised a half a billion dollars in 18 months. And the best thing about that is that helps put our region on the map. It's one of the success stories that we're seeing here on top of many others. But we really need to fill this gap, this half million to five million pre-Series A gap, which is really strong in this region. And, and we're going to try to create a fund and, to and address I, that. I spent, I spent some time in your region. How do you imagine collaboration? So I spend my life people talking to me about let's collaborate. So syndicate, we all put money in this in deals as groups, as individuals, as funds. What other uh, collaboration, let's call it methods, do you do you imagine or are you currently doing? Uh, and I, are you referring to Mizad? Yes. Okay. No, I don't. So I don't talk to. You don't talk to Foz. <laughs> you talk to him too much, right? Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, when from a collaboration standpoint. When we recognize and everybody identifies that we do need to fill some of this capital gap here, especially early stage, we took on a project uh, for, for connecting people and we created the BioHealth Capital Region Investor Forum. We did our second one this year. It was at AstraZeneca. This is how I got a chance to meet Foz. He was invited uh, to come to this by Andrea Alms, who's going to be one of the partners in this new biohealth capital region fund, he probably said, why am I going back to AstraZeneca and Gaithersburg to go to an investor conference? But <laughs> to his surprise, uh, we had we invited 108 companies. Uh, we invited 47 investors. 15 of the investors who came had never been to this region looking at deals. And so when you talk about how do we work together and what are the forms and vehicles do we have, this forum opened the door for us to showcase some of our great talent that we have here. And uh, Foz got introduced to a company he had never met before in an entrepreneur on a Wednesday. And on a Friday, he and another super angel, I call you guys super angels, right. um, uh, made an investment to help close out a two and a half million dollar round on one of our early stage companies here that never would have happened with these two new investors if they if we hadn't had this forum to meet one another. So this is so just connecting. One so getting people together is mm -hmm. is part of 
connecting is getting people together and making certain that have a common vision and a common goal. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing is we have to break down these bar these artificial barrier, geographical barriers that mm -hmm. we have. And I, I think these types of vehicles can help do that. And, and also, I personally think that some of the greatest deals are outside your own ecosystem. Yes. Because you have a different perspective, you have a fresh angle, and then also you're not fighting with the usual suspects within your own city. You go somewhere else and you find amazing deals. We're trying. And also, and also Ziad, the the generosity of uh, again, I just want I, I'm not um, I'm not all praising here uh, Rich and the group, but I have to commend them for being very generous with their time and uh, their desire to actually take an outsider like me and plug me into their ecosystem, which shows, again, the barriers are really completely artificial. Uh, if you get to know people on a human level and you let them know what you're looking for and connect them, things happen. Sparks happen. Yeah, there's another thing that uh, Foz mentioned. We had a little dinner uh, in oh, between. Yeah. That was phenomenal. And, and we had a by invitation dinner for 100 people to Ruth Chris. Right. Uh, we had a nice sponsor for it. But the, everybody in the room got a chance to introduce themselves, talk about what uh, they were at this investor forum for. And when you talk about connectivity and meeting, yeah. those kind of venues, uh, sometimes you have to force them because <laughs> – in our region, we don't have Sand Hill. We don't have Cambridge and CIC and a whole bunch of other things. We have to uh, some, somewhat force people to come together because there isn't a, a natural meeting place for them to come together. So that's part of the role for uh, BioHealth Innovation is to be an intermediary to help connect those dots like you're talking about, Ziad. And that and plays we'll, a, a great role, yeah. And, and what an amazing event it was, by the way. <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, first of all, I wasn't told about the dress code. So everyone shows up with suits and ties and like everyone does on the East Coast. And I show up with my Hawaiian <laughs> shirt because I'm a, I'm a California dude, right? Uh, so obviously yeah. I, stand, I stand out. But uh, it was a great event. And they still served me. So it wasn't like they kicked me out. But it was great to be able to meet so many people in just one room. There was It must have been 100 people, Rich. There were 100 people there. And then and, and the other thing we'll talk about very briefly, and it's not just all about me because you, you guys have so much to offer in your other regions. But April 15th and 16th, uh, we have the BioHealth Capital Region Forum, and uh, we had 1,200 people registered last year. And this started six years ago with 600 people, and it, we don't charge any registration fees. That's a nice thing about this investor conference. We didn't charge fees for the companies, the 108 companies, and we didn't charge fees for the investors that come. And there's so many of these venues around the country you have to pay to play to either get in or actually to present and we help, we realize if you're going to build an ecosystem, you can't keep charging these fees to everyone because it has to happen naturally. Mm -hmm. So in, in the event that we have in April, uh, we have something you guys have heard of Shark Tank, but we've created another venue called Crab Trap because <laughs> Crab Trap. That's yeah, good. <laughs> we're we're in the home of the crab here in Maryland. And so we actually present the winner with a check, which Wilson Sonsini funds, but they actually get a crab trap also. That's and cool. people get to apply. We have world-class judges. They get 10 minutes of fame on a stage in front of the whole audience. They pick a winner, and within an hour, you pick the winner of the crab trap. And it's sort of another way to get people to come together and have a little levity when you're uh, trying to build the ecosystem. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you need – you need to attract p 
people for various reasons and uh, get people together and good stuff will happen. And we know that. The challenge I have is co-leading deals. I would love, and and Faz and I and some other people are, are all collaborating in one possible deal where we're potentially co-leading, which is a bit tricky as a concept because you do, you have one, one person lead or one group or one fund. Um, but how nice would it be for to co-lead, not just syndicate, to co-lead where you're, you've, you're putting the hard work together? It's, it's a concept that hasn't been done before. So this idea of instead of sequential sequential groups touching a deal, so you finish with your deal and you finish with your deal memo, your diligence, and then you pass it off to the next group and then they restart the whole process again. This concept, and we're gonna test it, um, this concept of moving essentially in parallel with two or three co-leads um, collaborating along the way. So you do one massive diligence together and then you you commit your capital together too and it doesn't have to take nine months. It can take actually, it can take three months and then the, the money can be in the bank. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good concept. I've seen it work with some angel funds I've been affiliated with. Uh, the key has to be, even if you're co-leading, someone has to be the champion. That's right. Uh, and there is, someone is going to have to take that board seat or the observer seat uh, uh, with that company. But basically, common due diligence, a common term sheet is a big uh, uh, way to break down those barriers and the impediments of trying to get groups to work together. I think it's a great concept that uh, we don't take advantage of enough. And then you, you have fun, you collaborate, you, you uh, um, I mean, in our meetings, we allow guests. So whenever anybody's in town that's linked to us, they're welcome to come attend our meetings. That's our way to collaborate on a monthly basis. And um, and then the, the other thing I struggle with, and maybe that's my weak contact management, is whenever I'm in town, I'm in a city, it always is nice to say, okay, who is in this city that I can connect with mm-hmm. and uh, have a beer or see what events are there, but you know, on a short notice or uh, sometimes you're in a city and you forget or you, you're... Uh, your contact management system is not that accurate other than the people you actually remember. All uh, you have to do is call me, Ziad, and I'll tell you who to, who to contact. That's what. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> all you have to do. <laughs> that's well, that's I, my I, new system, yeah. Well, but I, I think you're, you know, you're very active in the ACA, though, right? Both of oh, you? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, that's a starting point, especially to find people of like minds. But, of course, within the ACA, there's going to be those that are active and those that are passive. You really want to have people that are, you know, uh, spirits like you are that really have the passion uh, for investing and uh, want to share. So what would be interesting is maybe a subgroup of this national network you're talking about of the Ziads and the Fozes, mm-hmm. of which maybe there's 15, 20 people that are the real connectors within the key regions in the country. I think that's key. That's a, that's yes. a very good point. And yeah. we do it naturally by just become, being friends. I mean, that's we have right. close friends up to, let's call it 20 to 25 groups. Mm-hmm. And those are people we can just pick up the phone and call. And yeah. um, uh, those are angel groups but even then, they're looking at their deals. So everybody's busy looking at deals. So if you call them and say, hey, I have a good deal. Are you interested? 
um, they might take a look, but they're they're also busy. So the whole collaboration on these is, is a bit tricky, and people have tried different angles. Yeah, I think I think I think being able to again connect through the networks that we already have through ACA, through the venture community, uh, through ultimate connectors like Rich and yourself and me and others. Um, there are there are multiple ways now that you can asynchronously connect with people and um, and stay in touch. So. Yeah, and I wish there were better tools, but. Um, what would you uh, like to have? You know, I don't know. The, the, my dream Uber tool is a tool that is designed for our industry, by our industry, and by people who use, who know graphical user interface. Because a lot of those tools that are out there are really annoying to use and are really annoying to manage your portfolio. Or, uh, I mean, there should be a AI that that tells you here's the deal I'm working on and here are the people connected to that deal. And you know how LinkedIn tells you, you may know this person, you may know this person. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> so what, <laughs> yeah. But what if you have things that are linked to just our industry and, um, and that way you, you really can interact and can see who's, who's linked to your, um, you can say by geography, by deal, by industry, by, um, and then that's a tool that also does not allow professional services to harass you about their services. It's <laughs> right. more and, pure and, collaboration. And don't forget, you want it to be free too, because you don't want to pay anything for it, do you? Zia? No, I'll pay. I'll pay. I'll, <laughs> oh, okay. I'll contribute to building it. <laughs> okay. are, are either one of you familiar with an, uh, something that was many, many years ago called AceNet? No. Tell us. Uh, this was something the SBA tried to do under the Clinton administration. It was called the Angel Capital Electronic Network. Oh. And uh, it doesn't exist because it didn't. It really didn't uh, have the stickiness. But it, at the end of the day, they tried to identify one key intermediary in every key region of the United States to be the AceNet node for the group. That's brilliant. And Yes, but and this is something like Ziad's talking about, but you know why it didn't work is because when you have a government agency like the SBA who's in charge of it, it doesn't really have that market-driven mentality or the private sector mentality uh, associated with making something work. And the other thing is you need a dedicated uh, individual or team that mm -hmm. is in charge of making this work keeps it up to date because all of these networks have a time over time, you know, they get out of date. Um, yeah. They start out fast. They fizzle. There's no way to keep them going on a, on a long-term basis. So I, I respect what you're trying to say about trying <laughs> to create something, uh, but we need somebody who's a retired, successful angel who has a little short, small team that's willing to take this on as a project to support all of the other uh, super angels or key angels around the country. The, the other Thank issue you. is trust. trust so, is right. Yeah. I mean, your neighborhood, do you know every single person that lives in your neighborhood in every house, every apartment? No, Heaven's you know, the fine. people that you trust that you have an affinity with. So I just want to thank, thank rich, rich. Thank you for your, 
sharing your wisdom and your experience with Ziad so that he doesn't have to pursue this uh, this opportunity <laughs> that he thinks is such yeah. a unique idea. But, no. but let, me, let me turn the tables really quick on you, Rich. Yeah. So, so Ziad talked about his dream of a, a tool or connection. Is there something that you've been thinking about for for all the work that you're doing from angel to venture capital? Is there something that's that you'd like to see happen for um, for the tools or the people or the connections in your ecosystem? Well, I mean, right now the passion will be get the fund formed because that would be number one. Mm -hmm. uh, from a standpoint of a tool. You know, this used to be a very vibrant uh, angel community because remember John May with his dinner clubs? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you remember, D.C. was one of the hotbeds uh, and all of the people came out of AOL. And Steve Case has the, 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 his little tour he's doing around the United States now in, in these markets that aren't blessed with having venture capital. But I, I think the key is. What, what it took back then is what we're talking about, and that is having a passionate people who are willing to devote their time and energy around something that's for the good for all with a very specific mission like John did back when he had multiple dinner clubs back in this region. And this used to be one of the hotbeds for angel activity, and right now uh, it needs to be reborn. Mm. And, and and so, you know, you guys are fortunate. You still have this active network going out there. Uh, but, I, you know, we don't we don't have we aren't as blessed to have that. So mm. if you say, what would I like to see? I'd like to see the angels get re-energized in this mid-Atlantic region again. Mm. Uh, but that's going to have to take some leadership and passion and, and uh, some people who are willing to take the lead on that. That's phenomenal. You heard it here first, world. You, yeah. This is this is Rich Bendis <laughs> yes. talking about talking about something innovative that the region needs. So so maybe one of our listeners will come up with a, but a pathway to do that. We are here to help. Yes. So um, to collaborate, where every ecosystem has a lot to offer, and we have a lot to offer, and we have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. This is. Um, this is very exciting. I love to collaborate with other regions, U.S. and outside the U.S. Yeah, let, let me ask both of you a question. Sure. Um, we have a whole bunch of high net worth individuals here, and I'm sure you have many uh, more in Boston and Silicon Valley. Ours seem to have come from making their money as Beltway bandits, uh, government contractors, you know, federal defense industry, uh, some, you know, government people, that's a little different profile than the people that you have as high net worth individuals in Boston and Silicon Valley. So have you been able to tap into those people who aren't as natural, uh, high risk takers uh, that would like to test the waters around angel and early stage and in investing? And what have you done to incentivize them to get engaged? Interesting. So yeah. I'll I'll start with my my view, and and what you say is really interesting because we were in in Alberta, and over there there's a lot of oil and gas investors, and whenever you have one group of investors that come from one industry, and they share all one risk tolerance, it becomes a bit tricky because you have to adapt to them as opposed to them to you. We're lucky because what drives us are our exits 
and our culture. So I cannot tell you where our investors come from in terms of their industry. They're all over the place. What attracts them is the uh, the overall culture and uh, uh, success stories, and that's what that's what reduces their risk tolerance by by seeing that okay, while well, we've had two IPOs, four acquisitions, and and it's really exciting, and they share with others in the group. So. Um, and, and the solution that uh, actually both Faz and I have been talking about is to do these circuit training sessions where we go from market to market and mm-hmm. spend time with these investors and say, okay, let's talk about angel investing for four days or five days and, um, and go through the mechanics and show them the risk and how to do it. I think a lot of them don't know how to do it in terms of how do I protect myself, how do I structure a deal, and so on. I, I And I'm just going to add, uh, education. It's the key is education. education. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yeah, uh, you know, risk, the appetite for risk is different, uh, definitely between the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, so uh, educating folks about how they can mitigate the risk, how they can work with others. This is not a singular sport, right, Rich? This is really about a team effort. That's no, a team sport, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a team sport. And, you know, frankly, uh, you know, you're the one who introduced me to the deal that I invested in. Um, and I respect your opinion. And I have another friend who also decided to make an investment at the same time I did. So there's a there's a team effort here that that needs to play in the picture. And education, I think, is a key part of it. Imagine doing the Steve Case um, tour around America, but just doing it around uh, the Northeast region there and going around and telling people, we're here to educate you on what angel investing means to your innovation ecosystem. And I notice a term that you use quite often, Rich, on your bio, which is innovation-based economic development. Yep. Um, I, I wonder, can you can you just add a little light to to what the definition of that is, and uh, and maybe that's part of the education that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I I was one of the founders of the State Science and Technology Institute, the board, um, and they have been focused on TBED, technology-based economic development, mm-hmm. and you know there are different definitions of technology. And then really when innovation started to become the byword probably 10, 12 years ago, I said we have to transform from technology-based uh, economic development to innovation-based economic development. Sometimes innovation is, uh, isn't based around a technology. Mm-hmm. It's, it be a, a process, a service. There's innovation in many different ways that we do things. Look at, you know, <clears throat> look at what's going on with Uber. Look at all of the social media that's out there right now. Um, there, there's a technology. They become technology companies, but they started out as service companies. And what they've done is to provide a service more innovatively than the way the service was provided before. So I think innovation can apply to any company, any size, any individual where technology li- is more limiting and isolates people because they say, well, we don't have a technology. We mm-hmm. don't have we don't have a patent. That's uh, right. And so innovation isn't driven only by patents or technologies. Innovation is driven by smart people. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Did you did you get that quote down, Zed? That was an awesome I, quote. I, I want 
I want to give a shout out to my friends in Lubbock, Texas, really quickly. So if there is an example of a region of the country that decided to essentially embrace its university, embrace its past and move into the future, it's Lubbock. Lubbock created its first angel network with a bunch of real estate investors, cotton farmers, and some of the folks out of the university. And and they're doing really well. They're, they're four years into it. And it did start with education. A group of us from LSA, Life Science Angels, and the Angel Capital Association went there, gave them a couple of lectures. And now they're, they're really off to the races. So it is possible to do. Um, it just requires uh, some interest and some effort. And I think economic development, Rich, is something we know that we see a lot around the country. Folks want to stimulate their, their regional um, economies, but they don't know how to. And I but think you have to be careful yeah. about confusing angel investment and economic development. True. Not confuse or mix them up the wrong way. True. Because angel, in, if you don't see results with angel investment, you don't it would do it anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you have to shape your exits or look at the types of exits because we talk to um, ecosystems from around the world and and then I keep saying, look, you have to study your region That's right. and see what get, gets your investors excited, not try to imitate other regions. And, You're right. Uh, yeah. uh, I agree because every different region has its own personality and culture. And, you know, I, I, I was just at this meeting two, two weeks ago and there was a gentleman from Maryland who will remain uh, unnamed and <laughs> I had heard his name, but I w didn't understand how deep he was into angel investing. He was in a service industry, uh, very bland and generic. But over the course of the last, um, I'd say, eight years, he's made 26 angel investments. Hmm. Um, and, you know, he said to me, Rich, you know, I don't know how to do life science angel investing because I don't have any expertise. And he said, the other thing is, when I'm doing my angel investing as one-offs by myself, um, you know, I generally become a passive investor. Uh, I really haven't partner, partnered with anybody. You know, when they need the follow-on, they come back to me first, and there wasn't a group associated with me. Mm -hmm. And so I, at the end of the day, I have a philosophy on angel investing, which probably differs from both of you, but it may not. Mm -hmm. I've always been a proponent of creating angel funds rather than angel networks. Because if he had 26 investments he was making uh, and he had them as a part of a fund where there were other co-investors with him, he wouldn't be the lone stranger there. And the other thing is his portfolio would be diversified to where he would have other expertise that he would be partnering with in his angel investments to help him make good decisions as to whether they should do them collectively or not. So yeah. – uh, I basically, I, I think you probably have been, uh, both of you have been doing this long enough to where maybe the fund isn't as important because you have people you trust, you know who you can co-invest with, and you know who's, who you want to bring into a deal. But if you're trying to get um, angel investing going into a new region, I honestly believe if you have an experienced manager for a fund that investors can invest in to diversify their portfolio and take advantage of their expertise. It's a lot better than doing the one-off investing that angels tend to do across the country. Sure, but there is the entertainment factor that I strongly <laughs> believe in, that you have to find a way to 
keep people from keep people coming back to meetings because they make friends, they have fun because it takes six years to get an exit, let's say. So during this six years, you might as well have some fun and meet some interesting people and look at fantastic deals. Um, and that's how you get people engaged as opposed to being passive. So, but everyone does whatever they want. That's my philosophy. It's like, yeah, there isn't one, yeah, there isn't one right model. And this engagement thing is very important. You're talking about Ziad is that there are people say, here, I'll write my check. Here's my hundred thousand bucks. You got a $5 million fund. I'm in, I'm in, but I don't want to go to meetings. And, you know, the monthly meetings are still important to have this uh, social aspect of what you're talking about, as well as to keep people engaged. There was a we created the Mid-Atlantic Angel Group Fund up in the Philadelphia area. And one of the ways we tried to keep the people engaged was we developed the point system. And the point system was such that people who brought a deal in got some extra points. Those people who served on a board or were reservers on a deal got some extra points. Those people who did due diligence on the deal got some extra points. So at the end of the day, if there was an exit on that deal, we kept tally of what the points were at the end of the day. There was a little premium paid to those people who worked harder. Who to, did uh, the work? That's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and it worked, and the, the fund's still going up there. I'm not involved in it now, but I was an investor in the, in the fund one and two. But I think it's a model when you talk about engagement. A lot of these angel networks – they lose their they lose the interest after a period of time. People get tired of coming to a monthly breakfast or a lunch or a dinner. The social element is good, but you also have to get some returns uh, to pe get people engaged. Yeah, I mean, our group has been around for 15 years, so right. we figured it out, and we figured out very simply that there's no formula. You just right. have to keep going. Great deals, great people, and... Uh, um, Hashtag investing for a better world. That's a new hashtag. <laughs> I, I launched. So um, we're getting to the end. Rich, we can talk to, with you for hours. And thank you for all your insight. And uh, a collaboration has started between the three cities. Absolutely. It happened here on this show. Looking forward to seeing you in Boston, San Francisco, or D.C. Faz, you're back from Australia. Yes, thank you. Where, where are you going next? Uh, next will be Atlanta uh, next month. Um, so, yeah. So be on the lookout for me in Atlanta someplace. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and Rich, thank you so much for joining us. We really yeah. appreciate it. Well, and we'll collaborate more. Yeah, thank you for including me. Uh, I enjoy both of you. you. You can tell why you're successful because you have fun with what you do. Um, you you got to take life seriously, but you also have to have fun with what you're doing as well. And, and there's no question that you guys are fun angels to do deals with. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank and you. talk to you next time. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Zid and Fish Show. I hope you enjoyed it, learned something, and had a good time. Remember, you can send questions to talk at zidandfid.com. Until next time, bye-bye.